from talkradio.nyc. Welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors, right here in hot and humid Manhattan. On tonight's show, Back to Basics, we are lucky enough to talk to fellow interior designer Renat Lavi. Renat and I are going to do two shows together, tonight and next week. Tonight, we're going to go step-by-step through the interior design process. Next week, we're going to be live on Facebook, and we'll be discussing a few of our most favorite things. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Every day after school practice. Endless practicing. Those damn blue and white covered Hansen exercise books. Fletcher's theory books. Scales, scales, scales. Palms up. Fingers arched. Practice, practice, practice makes perfect. Finally, at some point in my later college years, I was able to play Debussy's Arabesque Number no. 1. I must have played that one piece a thousand times and never, never, ever got it perfect, let alone artistic or beautiful. Just this past weekend, our dear, sweet cat, Jackie, finally caught a chipmunk. Hallelujah! It only took 10 years, but there she was, our Jackie, proud as a peacock, carrying in her mouth a terrified little chipmunk right into the kitchen just to show me how to, her, about her tremendous achievement. I screamed a bit, oh, maybe more than a bit. I congratulated her and scurried her and the chipmunk right out the French doors. And I hated to break her heart and reminded her that it only took 10 years and a couple hundred hours of patient, mind-numbing focus to make her dream of catching a chipmunk come true. The basics, basic skills, learning, having curiosity, developing patience, learning how to study, how to improvise, how to become more knowledgeable, looking and observing, repeating and starting all over again is the core essence of design. And for me, the core essence of my interior design career. Constantly returning back to the basics, honing in, figuring out for another puzzle to solve, another way to achieve a better idea or design. Take a look at the DIY sections at any Barnes and Nobles or Amazon. There are thousands of back-to-basic books. A new one came out on the market just this week called How to Eat a Peach. Well, I didn't realize I didn't know how to eat a peach, but all the same, it, it seems well enough that the Italians eat peaches differently than the French. All I know is that I eat peaches out of a can. I don't really like fresh peaches, unless, of course, they're in a pie, a homemade pie with ice cream. 
a fresh homemade peach pie with ice cream and whipped cream, then I like it pretty much as the French do. Let's get back to the point. <laughs> My favorite back-to-basic book is from Ina Garden, The Barefoot Contesta's Fundamentals of Cooking. But you can always get back-to-basic books on anything like needlepointing, math, how to raise chickens, and how to teach your kids how to swim. When I was a kid, I think they just threw us in the pool and hoped for the best. Or at least that's how I remember it now. As an L.A. kid, I was in the pool all the time. Throughout high school, I was a competitive swimmer. The Covina Colts were a powerhouse of a swim team. I was a long-distance swimmer. I swam the 500, which is about 20 laps of the pool. It would take a little over five minutes, which is a pretty long race compared to the 20-odd seconds of a sprinter's race. Practice started at 6 a.m. every school day. For long-distance guys like me, we would be in the pool a good half hour, 45 minutes longer than everyone else. As a teenager, that drove me crazy, watching all my teammates hit the showers and go off to the donut shop for breakfast while I was still swimming laps. But it taught me a lot about life, and believe it or not, it taught me a lot about interior design. When you are swimming long distances like that, you learn to notice everything. The quality of the water, the water temperature, how your body feels, and how well you are swimming. You learn to make adjustments and change strategies if necessary. You get to design your race, watch for your opponent, See the effectiveness of his stroke. Is it strong? Is he getting tired? How well does he make a turn? So what does this have to do with interior design? For me, pretty much everything. I learn how to study the long game. I learn how to take specifics and details and make the whole better. I understand what the house or the blueprints are telling me. What should I be looking for? What, the, what is the scale and the proportion of the room should be? And how does that relate to the view or the kitchen or how I get from one room to the other? It helped me to know what to focus on and where I want my focus ultimately to be. I understand more about tension and balance. Those are primary interior design principles. Because of swimming long-distance races, you get to determine at the exact moment when when to start your power kick and take over the lead, or when to hold back and wait for another opportunity. It speaks to tension and balance perfectly. And more importantly, you understand the big picture, the big strategy, the overall plan, the story that's being told inside the house. And most significantly, it helped me to trust my instincts and hone in on my skills. I learned how to take stock of myself and how to make quick and important design decisions. And by the way, eyeing up your opponent isn't much different than understanding your clients. Who are they? What's important to them? What style do they possess? And how do they want to represent themselves? And when interior design projects can last up to two or three years, long distance swimming taught me all about endurance. And truly, more than anything else, long-distance swimming made me live an imaginative life. When you swim lap after lap for an hour at a time, a creative mind serves you well. 
There's no dimensionality, no objects to concern yourself within a swimming pool. Your mind is limitless and expansive. That 6 a.m. dive-in for a teenage boy in a polyester red Speedo in, the, in an outdoor pool on a cold January morning teaches you to paint Paint that black, that blank, white artist canvas inside your head. And as the minutes turn to hours and months turn into years, you get a chance every day, every single day, to create a new story or develop a new idea or to design your own future. What I like most about my career as an interior designer is that my every day is different. I get to be the coach, the captain. I get to lead or just watch. I get to develop. I get to use my over 30 years of experience, my 10,000 hours of knowledge to create and design new interior spaces and build beautiful new homes. So as we get ready to talk to Renat about the basics, I can only borrow a quote that says, youth is a gift of nature, but age is a work of art. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Renat, the interior designer, Renat Lavi, about the basics. Renat and I are going to do a two-part series tonight and next week. Tonight, we're going to discuss interior design specifics, creating floor plans, developing lighting schematics, and determining finishes. Next week, we're going to be talking all about interior design passions, our very favorite things. And just to give you a tease, we're going to go live on Facebook. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi. I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. 
Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Renat, welcome to At Home. I'm so happy to have you here with us tonight. We're going to do a two-part show, so I'm really looking forward to it. Great. Um, I guess we should get started. So, uh, you know, perhaps like, like me, uh, like you, I'm in pursuit of beauty every day. Can you tell me what your meaning of beauty is and maybe more specifically what's beautiful in your own home? So... Beauty is very much a part of my industry, my home, my my everyday life. Um, I think that for the most part, something that endures the test of time has a higher standard of beauty. And I go back to the Greeks. I always loved Greek sculptures. I mean, how how perfect is that? How it's, could you not? How, how could you not? Um, pottery, they're 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 just uh, they're perfection. Um, they're jewelry, so uh, things that really stood the test of time because uh, you could put it in a in a modern interior and it doesn't look stale, it doesn't look old. So to me, that's that's definitely something that um, I hold with high regards. Um, and I love nature. Nature is a great maker of beauty. There's just something everywhere you look. Um, So not to sound cliche, but at home, if I have a fresh bouquet of flowers, it makes me happy. Like that's bringing beauty from nature to my home. I can't imagine doing a photo shoot of any project without flowers. I think, you know, we're all just taking it for granted that it's got to be part of the decor. But um, it never fails you. It's always, it's always exciting. And there's something for everyone. You can choose the color. You can choose the, the scale of it. You can choose the feel of it. There's just endless, endless beauty in, in flowers. Wonderful. I, too, appreciate the Greeks a lot, especially their architecture. What I love most about Greek architecture is the repetition, the repetition of the columns. I love that whole looking down and seeing one column after the next. Yes. And I try to use that as much as possible, not with columns necessary, right. necessarily, but with anything that is, you know, could be purposely used in repetition. I think it's an exciting way to design a home. That's right. Terrific. So we're off and started. So let's, um, let's get right into our conversation about the uh, back to basics and about interior design. So how did you become an interior designer? What were your motivations and and how did you start your career? So I always knew I was going to be a designer or an architect. Um, 
even going back to my childhood, I, I always looked at rooms. I always, in my mind, drew floor plans of rooms. I, seriously, you I did? know it. Yes, like I, I remember that. It, it was just so much a part of me. And fortunately, my, my dad was very much into making furniture as a hobby. So he would have, you know, sort of design magazines laying around, and I would just sit there for hours looking through those pages again and again and again. So um, I went to school because it was important for me to pursue it academically. I didn't want it to just be a hobby. I wanted to be a professional about it. And very quickly, I, I noticed that I gravitate to residential design because it's the most creative. Um, and I enjoy certain aspects of interior design that have to do with residential. So I finished my school. Um, I have a BFA in interior design. And I enjoyed every bit of the school years, um, learning more and more about design and kind of like, like going through the layers of the different um, skills that you need, the, 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 the history, the art, everything that was involved. And then um, I kind of got stuck thinking, it's not enough after school. It's... <laughs> It's not enough. It's not stimulating my, my intellect enough. Wow. So I, I kind of stumbled, and I, and I decided to go back to school, and I found a program at NYU, and it was a master's program in decorative arts collecting. Ah. So I immersed myself in school again, and it was great. I learned a lot about the history, and I think that now as a designer, I'm much better equipped to mix the styles successfully. Was there a certain uh, time period uh, of decorative arts that you studied? Did you have a, a, a specific so ceramics? Did you study? No, it was, it was decorative arts, which was mostly just a furniture. Just the general, oh, furniture, furniture. okay. Um, uh, a lot of 19th and 20th century. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, like, these are really the, the styles that we go back and look at. Um, you know, you're not going to live with, with uh, ancient Egyptian <laughs> <laughs> furnishings. Um, but it's, it's, it's really uh, a pleasure to learn the history and know how to apply it to today's interiors. Well, we, can, we can do a whole show on the history of furniture yes. and how the styles evolved from one to the next. Right. I've always been fascinated that Regency furniture from the 18th century is about as contemporary as you can get today. Yes. Um, and so I've always been fascinated by how the, the periods moved from one to the next. So that is, that is wonderful and exciting. And I think that's so great that uh, you needed to go deeper into it and find out more and uh, understand more about what you were interested in. So incredible. Uh, most people ask, one of the first que questions that people ask me is, you know, what is my style? So if I asked you, what is, how would you describe your style and how do you see the world and are there any certain items that define what that is? So my own style, if I'm kind of thinking what I would design for me. For yourself yes, at home. Okay. Because for projects, I like to really get into the head of my clients yes. and design their home. And there is always, you know, a dialogue. But for me, I think that I gravitate 
towards um, a mix, almost like a like an equal kind of a mix of oh. old and new. Okay. Um, so like antiques or like vintage or no? I kind of go back. possessions. I kind of go back to the Greeks and Roman mm. kind of feels, um, and I think it has to do a lot with my my growing up in Israel. Okay. Because um, our field trips, like our class trips, were going to uh, Roman ruins. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and kind of absorbing the, the 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 beauty of that. But growing up in Tel Aviv, you're surrounded by Bauhaus, very 20th century um, architecture and design. So I think that it kind of shaped my preferences into a very mixed, old and new in that way. And um, and I I've been always enjoying the same kind of mix when I look at um, at interiors of classical uh, homes or certain designers that like to follow this aesthetics. Uh, that's what I find enjoying. I think for most people, mixing is difficult, right? I think, uh, uh, that as we know, in our profession, there are some people called the mix master, um, but I think for the general assembly among us, mixing furniture, how to incorporate maybe a piece from their grandparents or a piece from their parents into their home now is challenging and difficult. And we get those questions a lot on the show here. So that's that's good. Again, you can come back and answer all those questions sure. you want when we get them. <laughs> so without talking about how we get our clients and how we get the job and stuff, Let's just go right into it. How do you start a project? So you have the client. What's the what's your next first move? Right, you're getting ready to go. So I always say to a, a new client that I like to sit down for an hour or two and just sort of dream what their vision is. So I'll from a conversation and kind of get to know a little bit of their personality. I'll sort of bring certain images of. Um, art and interiors, like I have a huge library of, of art and design books. So I'll sort of select the ones that I think that they'll gravitate to. And, and how, do, how did you make those determinations? So you saw the apartment first, you saw the house first, you're going back to your office, you're getting ready for the meeting and go, ah, this, all that. Is, that, is that the process? Well, it's, it's a lot of listening. A lot of listening. A lot of, in like, the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah. Um, um, and it's um, it's sort of the intuition. You you see who the person is. You know, are they very flamboyant and kind of jazzy and like to kind of have a certain way of dressing that 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 fits with that, or are they more quiet and simple and down to earth? So that's like a first clue. So you're starting uh, programming your client, trying to understand who your client is, and where does that fit in? Um, with then the architecture of the house or of what the apartment is or what the apartment building is or the neighborhood in general. So how do you balance out that, you know, um, I have a young, very chic, um, beautiful young girl who lives in a 19th century country house, right? So where, how do you balance those two uh, opposing ideas and concepts together? Do you, do you stick with the client and sort of make the house speak to her aesthetic? Or do you also come back and, and work with the house as well? 
Well, so that chic girl, she's not going to buy that country house. Uh, you don't think so? <laughs> um, maybe she inherited one. Maybe. Yeah. Um, oh, and so give a better example. That Maybe that, maybe that was too easy. <laughs> so how to make it her home. Well, it, it, it's, it's a process. And like I said before, it's a dialogue. And I, uh, I, I like to interview the, the, the client and, and really get to into their head what, um, what they grew up with and what they love in terms of fashion even. You know, not everybody likes fashion, but if they're into it, you know, do they like the simplicity of Armani or do they like the Cavalli, you know, grandeur? And I think that that's, that's a big clue. And, and it's not to say that they want their interiors to be like their clothes, but it's a clue as to what they'll be enjoying in their home. Um, so, so it is a dialogue, and it's a process. And in the beginning, I might not get exactly what they are envisioning, but as we go through the process, and they, you know, they'll send a picture, and they'll say, do you think that this goes or that goes, and how can we incorporate this or that? I'll be very frank with them and I'll and I'll really explain why I think something will or will not go. A lot of times I explain that it's it doesn't go with the architecture. It doesn't go there with go. the yeah. general vision. Right. You know, I think that you I You approach it that way. Yes. I think I, I I'm very much able to um, articulate why something can or cannot go. Excellent. And so they feel okay, like they can they can relax. So if we're off to the races and we've had these wonderful conversations with our clients and we we have a sense of what we're trying to create and what we're trying to develop. So your next step is floor plans. Your yes. next yeah, okay. Yes. Or yes. do you go right towards color and fabrication? No, no, no. I think I think floor plan is the is the canvas. It's it's the basic, it's the skeleton. It's you know, it's really what your tool for a successful room and and one of the first things they told us in design school like that i remember yeah. the first day um my professor said if the floor plan looks good the room will look great yeah, so true it is because so the proportions are there so and if you can kind of envision the floor plan then you'll know how to do the rest of it and do it well um so floor plan is key and and so i document the space because I want to know exactly like the nicks and croonies of, of, of the space. I, you know, I, I, I think I, I want to be intimate with the space. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I draw it. I need to draw it. So you draw it. So I need yes. to draw it too. Yes. Um, it's, I think it's the only way to really fully understand and grasp what is around you. Exactly. I also am capable of envisioning the space as I'm drawing it. Are exactly. you able to do that as exactly. well? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I'll walk into a room, furnished or not, and the client would be like, so what do you think? You think the sofa here, the this, the that? I'm like, no, I don't know. I want to draw the plan. And then the solution will come out. And there may be two great solutions. So it really is the, the essential part of, of starting a project. We are just getting started. We barely have scratched the surface. Yes. And... Um, and it's, it, it, uh, we have so much more to talk about. So um, this is At Home, and stay tuned. When you know the notes to so sing, you can sing most anything. A a dear, a female dear, a ray of the golden sun. 
You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. So I just want to, we're back, and uh, so happy to talk to you. Um, uh, Renat Lavi, uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Renat Lavi Interiors, and you can look at her website, which is RenatLavi.com. It's pretty simple and easy to go. We were talking about floor plans. I just want to hit it one more time for a second. We both hand draw. We both uh, develop our whole ideas uh, through our floor plans. Do you, do you hand draw your elevations as well? That I hate. <laughs> I, I I just dread. You dread elevation. Yeah, but you know the times that I do, they they really come out more successful. <laughs> they do. It's it's a it's a you know it's it, it's an exercise. It's like going to the gym. I I hate that, but I do it because you know because we have to because the benefits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're too funny. Um, do you you do you draw your elevations by hand now with your floor plans and your elevations? Then do you turn them over to your CAD person? Well, it depends if, you know, if the budget allows, you know, if it's a, an important enough project. And you're working, thing. interfacing with an architect. and uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. So then, then we do. But otherwise, you know, some you clients see the, the sketches or the studies and they're OK with that. Mm -hmm. And do you ever do any uh, three dimensional work? No, no, mm -hmm. no. I did it in school. Oh, you did. It's a lot of work, and and I, you know, I went to school thirty years ago. Oh, I uh -oh. shouldn't say you that. You didn't have to say but that, but we're happy <laughs> that you did. But um, you know, they they just started with the CAD or Kitrion, I think yeah. it was called, oh, yeah. and they you did. know, and I I learned that in school, but then I never really kept up with the technology. And no. today, you really have to be like equipped to 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 produce those three D drawings. So it's it's not something that I would like to do okay <laughs> so then so now we have this incredible floor plan that we know all of the different uh 
jigsaw puzzle pieces that will be involved in in this interior. And your next step is... The color scheme. You're going to do color schemes. Okay. Yes. And so, and then how does that get developed? How do you, how do you uh, find your, 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 your main color? And then tell me about, uh, do you, do you expand that color throughout or do you, are, do you do other things with, uh, so Each when in every room. Yes. So when I um, when I sign up with the client, I explain to them that as part of what I deliver to them, they will get two schemes to choose from. Oh, okay. Um, th- there's there are a few parallels in the schemes, and so I, I sort of know that if they choose one and not the other, that it'll be it'll be fine because. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't present something that I don't want them to choose. Um, oh, so, of course so, not. So, yeah. yeah, so it's so it's a little bit um, tricky like that because it is two schemes, but it's almost like one. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, um, so I start putting together uh, at least two dozen fabrics and some carpets and then some wood. Like I just sort of like have fun and I mix it almost like a little soup. And, uh, you know, it's not like it's not. Yeah, it's not like to say this is for that and this is for this or this is for this room. I just do one big kind of story, a salad. I think it's more like a salad. I think that's actually a wonderful way to describe it. Uh, Yeah. And then we sit together and we look at the whole story. I just spread it all over the floor or a table and they get it. Even though people, for the most part, have a hard time visualizing, they get it when they see that story. And they really understand that it's going to impact the rest of how everything will develop. And are they, are they, are they literally like pulling a fabric out and saying, oh, you know, I really don't like that. So then you're yes. editing as you're going, you're yes. going through everything? Yes. Fantastic. I let them do that. Yeah. It makes them a part of the process. Okay. You know, it's not like I'm coming in and everything is already planned and this is the sofa and this is the pillow. They're part of the fun process of kind of creating the... Along the, with you. The scheme, yeah. Wonderful. Um, so, so and, and they're always, um, the, for the most part, they'll have a hard time choosing which of the two because they're, all, they're, they're both really tailored to what they've asked for and so do you merge those are, are sometimes they, sometimes it's possible sometimes to merge it's them. possible yeah. Yeah. yeah like we'll take one fabric from one and you know oh i love this but i don't like this and i'll kind of very quickly improvise right and then i add to that i go back to the to the market and i add to that and that's how we arrive at a scheme lovely <laughs> it's very um very much a relationship between you and your clients yes it starts to build the trust which is absolutely important. Important. Can't go much further without trust. No. So how do you, how talk about that color palette? So, for, I guess I'll describe mine, and and then maybe uh, you have a different way of doing it. But if, if I start uh, with a main color, then I like I love dark foyers. That's uh, sort of an essence of how my designs are consistent through all my different projects. I love going towards the light. I know it sounds funny, but I like walking into a darker environment and then going towards the windows, going towards lighter spaces. So if I take that color and then I start to do degrees of uh, 
shades of that color as certainly as you're in the the public spaces interesting and so that they they're all speaking to each other but it almost as if the sun is coming in to this room at this time and there's a shadow over here but it's all sort of the same collection of colors and then when you get into bedrooms or certainly a powder room which i think is a jewel box then it can be whatever so do you have a philosophy of how you take color throughout a home So I very much agree with you about how um, spaces flow, especially the the main spaces, that they really have to be connected in color. Um, So when I do this scheme, I, I usually then kind of fragment it into the parts of living room, dining room study Ah. from this big scheme. Mm. And I'll sort of decide what, how to how to create that you know i don't i don't involve the clients with that right because you're getting kind of technical yeah. with them now and stuff like that right it's not necessary right yeah so um but i don't but i don't start with one color i won't just say oh we want like a dark red foyer and then work from that i i i just develop a scheme a story and then it gets dispersed into the spaces and they work because it started out as one scheme and it just gets built on but i agree like rooms that are separate can be a whole other story oh absolutely right i just don't like the what i call the white house phenomenon which is you know the green room and the red room and the blue room and um, i don't think that that has a place in residential interiors at all i agree uh, someday I would like to work on that at the White House. Um, <laughs> so how does tile and kitchen cabinetry and uh, 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 countertops and stuff, how does that work um, inside that scheme? Are those consistent uh, materials and stuff for you as well? In other words, how do you determine that you want to use marble versus ceramic tile? Uh, what you want... Uh, the powder room to look like is that just a, a again it's just growing out of this salad bowl concept it does um sometimes the the client will have a clear idea of what they want their kitchen to be like like they'll have a picture from a magazine that they fell in love with and that might be a start of an inspiration for the rest of the project um sometimes they'll just say in general i i know i want a white kitchen and then it's then it's just easy um so it gets it gets a little tricky if you know if if they don't have the clear idea um i think you know then you kind of have to draw it out of them a little bit but um but the kitchen definitely have to has to speak to, to the, the rest other, of the yes to the other spaces yeah i agree yeah 100 percent. and then again the powder room to me is the only thing that can really have its own character and, for sure um it, i think you actually want it to so let's let's go on to the next thing because uh, uh time is is going quickly here what's your next step is it furniture upholstery window treatments is that sort of the next layer of of your design process Okay, so the next step, once we have a floor plan and a scheme and we agree on a budget, right? Right. Oh, yes. Well, we could talk about budget all night. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a whole conversation. And for professional interior designers, budgets are crucial elements for us. So I don't, yes. I don't mean to skip over it uh, so readily. Good. Uh, I just want to get into the artistic part of right. our conversation. Right. So, um, so I'll put together a whole binder with 
furniture, um, lighting, accessories, and for almost each component on the plan, I'll have two or three or four different choices. And again, I kind of like to have the client be part of the process. So we'll sit together and I'll say, okay, this is the sofa and these are the models that I think you should consider. And then they'll pick one. And then I'll say, okay, so these are the chairs that you can choose to go with it. And they'll, they'll, they'll go on with this process. And they are very much a part of choosing what's what. So we know what the look is, right, before we go into the showrooms. You've decided on the profiles yes. and the styles. Exactly. Uh, before you start to go in, and into the showrooms and do sit tests. Exactly. Okay. Yes. I, I know some, some designers do it the other way. They like to go to the showrooms and kind of explore. But for me, it's more focused. And so once we do this exercise and we go to the showrooms, we can really look at the individual pieces and it goes quicker. That's excellent. So in, in, in this sort of uh, taking from this pile, taking from that pile, how do you deal with balancing visual weight? and making sure that the room is still balanced. Uh, again, is that something where you just help them understand that that chair is not appropriate? Yes. Because the sofa that we selected is of a larger volume. Yes. One of my favorite phrases, you've got to put a stake in the ground. Okay. <laughs> so you can choose, you know, whether it's... You choose the, something. Yeah, they choose something. Yeah. They can choose the sofa or they can choose the, the TV cabinet or they can choose a chair. Or a dime, whatever it is. But, they, I, but I always tell them, you've got to start with something that you fall in love with. So once that is decided, then I kind of lead the way and I, and I narrow it. I, I edit it for them and I make it easier to go through the rest of the decisions. I'm going to steal that because I used to say we all get a trump card. And now I won't say it in our <laughs> current environment. So I'm going to say... <laughs> Because, you know, that was the same principle. Yeah. If you absolutely love this, if yes. this is absolutely what you need and I'm kind of on the fence about it or I don't think this is a good direction, I'll give you one one card. Yes. And you get to trump over everything else. But I'm going to start using steak in the ground. <laughs> it's simpler. <laughs> so thanks for that. Sure. I, I'm stealing that from you. Um <laughs> So how about we're running out of we're running out of time really quickly, as always. Uh, I hope it's not me talking too much. No. Um, any sort of takeaways, anything that's really important to you that uh, just in a general audience sort of way that um, if you're helping somebody uh, just think about interior design, is there something that you would love to, to leave with our audience tonight? So I, I think it's important for people to be aware of their surroundings and, and what they love and don't love. And if they're thinking of working with a designer, start getting the visual inspirations. Like that'll sort of speed up the process and it'll help the professional understand what you love and what you don't. It really goes back to the first question that I ask everybody about beauty. It's sort of becoming aware of what's around you. You know, what is beautiful to you? Yes. How do you respond to something so that when you're ready to 
work with a professional or you're ready to buy yes. a piece of art or you're ready to buy a sofa, you're, you're sort of developing your skills. You're yes. sort of understanding what's important to you. And it's fun. And, it's, and, and then it's fun. And it's not this like, oh, God, I don't know what to do sort of thing. Exactly. And then our last thought, I think that people know what they don't like better than what they do like. Would you agree with me on that? Um, probably. I mean, there are probably exceptions to that, too. But yes, but they can very quickly say, oh, I don't like the color red. It reminds me of my grandma's apartment. Right. Which happens a lot as well. Yeah. A whole nother conversation. Renat, thank you so much. My pleasure. We're going to take some questions from the audience. Will you stay and help me answer some of those? Yes, yes. Um, We'll be back in two minutes and we'll take your questions then. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com So we're back and we're going to take some questions from our listeners. Awesome. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So here's the first one. I, <laughs> I so wish I would have uh, heard this show before I went out and bought some new furniture. I think my sofa is too big and my chairs are way too small. What do I do? Do you want, do you want to go? You want me to go? Um, well, why don't you start and I'll see if I can... Uh Jump in. Okay. So, well, the first thing I think, uh, especially for you and I, um, I think the biggest challenge that most people have is scale and proportion. Correct. Um, 
we studied it. We look at it constantly. We've had all these years of experience of doing exactly that, putting a small chair next to a big sofa and realizing that it doesn't work. It's hard. It's the I think it's fundamentally one of the most difficult parts of a successful interior key, is yes, yes. getting the scale and proportion correctly. For sure. So if you're in that situation now, of course, we don't know the size of your apartment. We don't have a picture or anything. But I'm assuming maybe that you only have a sofa and two chairs. Uh, I would say to you, hopefully, that maybe you had a bedroom that a, one of the chairs could fit in. Um, or perhaps, because you're going to keep the sofa, I'm sure. Um, or if you can add chairs, that would be the size in between the sofa and the two small chairs. So that let's call it a large sofa, small chairs. And you were able to purchase even a medium sofa so that there was degrees stepping down of scale and proportion as you went along. Those would be some of the tricks uh, that could happen. But uh, honestly, I would take it as an exercise uh, that maybe didn't work as well as you would like it to have. And if you can use them somewhere else or save them for later, I would think perhaps about purchasing new because it will drive you crazy every day. And that's not what we would want for you. So the only um, kind of thing I would add, and if I was walking into someone's home and they already owned that um, and trying to let them keep it because, you know, they have a limited amount of money that they resources and space. And so, you know, sometimes there are tricks like, um, could we add a mirror in the room and kind of like visually fool the eye to create a, a bigger space? It, you know, it depends what the room is, but that's something to consider. Um, the other thing that is trickier because you really have to be a professional is the rug. Um, if the sofa is big, you have to play with the pattern on the rug and that sometimes help again, fool the eye, but it's, it's, it takes it takes a lot of years of experience to know what you're doing. And I think maybe perhaps, depending on what the problem is, you could change the legs because that's an easy thing to mm, do yes. on the chair. Maybe you add a decorative piddle and a throw to give it more weight and more bulk. That's another way to do it. So yes. we came up with three or four ideas to help. Good. Hopefully one of those works for you. Here's the next one. We are renovating our bathroom and kitchen and feel a bit overwhelmed. I have looked at so many photos and can't believe how many finishes are out there in the marketplace. How do I even begin to edit myself and understand how to go forward? So the first thing, go to a tile store. Mm. Um, find an associate there who is fun and engaging. And um, they will probably be able to give you a narrowed selection um, and then once you find a tile or or uh, a material that you that you enjoy looking at, I would build on that and forget forget the images. You know, it might just be enough to show them a, a, a material that that you like. Yeah, walk around, pick out maybe two or three things, lay it on a table, and 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 see how you want to go forward with it, right? That's right. That's I, right. I think it's the best thing. And also that associate could help you with cost, right? Sure. Uh, you know, this is high end. You know, this is uh, less expensive. This is middle of the road sort of thing. So at least you're not in the trenches with your budget and stuff exactly. uh, right off from the beginning. But again, I think that principle that we just talked about is that I think we know what we don't like better than what we do. And this is a great 
uh, example of that in a good way to help you move forward. Exactly. Right? I don't like that. Well, how come you don't like that? <laughs> Boom. How about this? Right. And you get there much, much quicker. And then the last thing I'll say is hire a professional. That's what we're here for. Yes. Right. Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, here's the third question. Uh, you talked about understanding or being sensitive to the architecture or the style of the apartment. I live in a pre-war uh, plaster molding heavy oak door apartment. I want the apartment to look fresh and light. How do I balance that out? So the natural reply would be white walls, mm. right? Yeah. Painting it white. Make sure your walls are white. And then get that contrast between the dark, heavy, dark yes. uh, oak doors, just for that as an example. Right. Um, and very light curtains, mm. very light curtains. Like if you could do even like a sheer, I mean, I, you know, depending on who's looking in. Right. But um, privacy or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely go more towards a lighter palette. Um with just sort of like the shading of colors and not contrasts. Um, I think that that'll keep it very airy and simple. Right. Simple, meaning maybe even contemporary, well edited. Don't fill it up with a lot. You know, select limited yes. pieces of furniture. Uh, have a limited amount of art on the walls. Don't muck it up. In other words, I think that will keep the visual weight exactly. uh, lighter. And then... Um, yeah, I was going to say white or, you know, a very light color. But in these cases, I like to wrap the whole room in one color so that from the floor up, the moldings, the casing, the walls, the crown, especially with plaster moldings and stuff, sure. and the ceiling are all one color. So you create this visual box, this this cubic square feet of volume, and you're not dividing the space in these different horizontal bands, a color in the base molding, a color on the crown, a different color on the ceiling. That all gets complicated and our eye doesn't really know where to go. So if you can paint the whole space one color, limit the amount of furniture, limit the amount of items or objects that you put on the walls, keep your window treatments uh, as simple as possible. You know, they need to function correctly for you, yes. but simple as possible. I, I think you're off to a good sh good start in a, what is a pre-war um, interior. Well, if, if the architecture is good, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it reminds me that all of those Italian furniture makers, the contemporary Italian furniture makers, all of their magazine ads and stuff are always in grand palazzos and stuff, right? right. With this gorgeous, um, you know, simple, simple sofa yes. in the middle of all this ornate plaster work. Well, I cannot, I cannot even believe it, but we are out of time. I am so glad that we're going to do two shows in a row like this. I think we absolutely could do three. Um, and I can't wait until next week. Remember, you can watch Renat and I live on Facebook next week as we talk about our design passions and our very favorite things. I'm so looking forward to it. So Thank I. you again. <laughs> Remember to take a look at Renat's website, RenatLavi.com and Instagram 
Renat Lavi Interiors. Um, she would love if you would follow her. I want to thank everybody here at talkradio.nyc, Schoolhouse Number 6 Productions. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to try. Ben Keegan for my wonderful music. And remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at home with DTI. Remember to take a look at my website, davidtheergartnerinteriors.com. You can always listen to this show, this show, Back to Basic, or any of the other of my shows on talkradio.nyc. Don't forget to join us next week again on Facebook Live. We're pretty excited about it, so we're hoping that you can join us there. Stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And until next week on the radio, remember, the best designs for your life start at home. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, are you interested in blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies? Then tune in here on talkradio.nyc with me, David every Friday, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time, as we answer your questions and interview great guests live on Internet Radio on Building the Blockchain, where you can catch the blockchain revolution. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network, 